That's the kind of song that I want to listen to in my AirPods walking down the street as people try to bother me. And I'm just like, no, thank you. I'm too powerful for this. Hello and welcome to the Euro What, episode 115 for the week of April 12th, 2021. I'm Mike McComb and I'm joined today by Ben Smith. Hey Ben. Hey Mike. And our special guest, Justin Ladia. Hey Justin. Hi. Oh, I talked over you. Already it's going super well. (laughs) Yeah. We are a group of North Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. And this week, we'll be talking about the last set of songs from the first semifinal. Welcome back to the show, Justin. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about these European singles. I guess those, well, yes, I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Mike, Mike, thank you for correctly updating the intro of our show to indicate that we are not all Americans today. Justin is Canadian. Yeah, that's correct. I, I am Canadian. I'm from Winnipeg. Hello from the center of nowhere. There's nothing that happens here, so we rely on the internet a lot for our entertainment. Excellent. You are in the right place then. Longtime listeners of the show may remember Justin from last summer. What is time? We subjected you. No, that's not the right word. Mike, it wasn't we. I subjected Justin to 12 Minutes from Finland 2007. It was very fun. It was a great time. I would say subjected is maybe a a harsh word to say because I did enjoy my time. I'm excited to talk about these ones. Have you continued exploring Eurovision since that experiment? Honestly, no, I have not. Your girl's been busy since the last episode. As as Ben would attest, there's a bunch of stuff happening outside of the podcast that's taking up a lot of my time. I'm a little bit deprived entertainment-wise, so I'm excited to be talking about it and giving you my opinions that are probably not very informed. <laughs> this, this is a fun set to talk about. The five that we're talking about today are Israel, Romania, Azerbaijan, Ukraine, and Malta. Let's get started with Israel's entry from Eden Aline. Her song is called Set Me Free. Eden is of Ethiopian Jewish descent. She first came on the scene back in 2018 when she won X Factor Israel and got her ticket to Eurovision when she won Israel's version of Rising Star in 2020. Of course, Eurovision got canceled, but she was reselected just a few days after that cancellation for the 2021 contest. It's been kind of a bumpy road in terms of song selection. Israel wanted to have a robust selection process, but it ended up having to convert into a fully online format. Nine demos of songs were put up for a public vote, and three of those songs went on to get recorded by Eden. The winner of that contest was Set Me Free. The song has gone through another revamp, making this the third version of Set Me Free that has been set free. Justin, what were your initial thoughts on this track? Okay, I listened to it on its own first before I watched the video. 
And without the video, it's it, it's a good song. It, it was a bop. I do kids still say bop? I don't know. I don't care. I'm gonna still say it. Regardless of the kids, we still say bop. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> but it was a good song. I think the set of songs have some similarities to them, and they all seem to have the same sort of dancey, sort of slightly retro type vibe happening. It it was up my wheelhouse because right now I'm going through that sort of phase musically. I quite enjoyed it. The video, though, I didn't understand the narrative. The The start of the video was just like, oh, there are these people passed out in a restaurant and they're all very well dressed and have f- a full face of makeup. And then all of a sudden, Eden gets up, starts singing, and everyone wakes up, but they don't look like they just came out of a, a long sleep or whatever. I did not understand how they were just like, oh, yes, this is the song I get to go get ready in the morning or whatever. And I was just like, yes, Eden, go off, sis. But at the same time, it's a little hammy, and I was like, whatever. It's a good song, it's just I didn't understand the music video for it. But do we need to understand it? I don't think so. The narrative of it was forced, but who am I trying to be adding art critiques to a music video? I mean, I guess we could. I don't know. It was just a lot. It is part of the promotion of the song, especially since we don't have as many opportunities for live performance. That's true. I've been on the full ride with this song from the demo when those leaked. I I thought that version two was fine and I did not understand why everybody was like, this is disappointing. We're going to do terrible because it was fine. They've definitely added some extra mustard onto version three. They've changed the chorus. They've moved the I'm going to make it on my own into its own little post chorus thing. It feels like we're listening to the mix of the song that they would play during the Parade of Nations if they were to win this year. They would absolutely be looping the I'm going to make it on my own part over and over all like each nation walks down. While somebody yells, Malta! (laughs) Azerbaijan! I was in a weird internet wormhole this week, um, which is not new. But but for whatever reason, found this old footage of the Miss Universe pageant from 2008. Very similar to the Parade of Nations, you have whatever song is the hit of the moment being played in a weird extended 11-minute version. Here's the first part of the song. Here's 10 ladies in swimsuits. Here's the middle of the song. Here's 10 more ladies in swimsuits. And in 2008, the artist was a then-new, then-hot, then-hitting-the-top-of-the-hot-100 Lady Gaga. Like, before oh, wow. before all of the conceptual bits. Yeah, it's a real trip. Wow, okay. It's a real yeah. trip. <laughs> Highly recommend going back and watching it. That's what this version of the song feels like. But it also feels like they're doing some Dua Lipa things with the production, the whole future nostalgia bit that we discussed with Ned last week. Definitely feels in play here the whole whistle tone bit at the end that's very ariana grande can we talk about the whistle tone oh my god i don't think that it needs it i don't like whistle notes just as a blanket rule it's that part of the brain that is i don't want to say nails on a chalkboard i think she's executing it the way one should execute it but it triggers a buzzer in my brain that's just like no thank you i would do it everywhere if, if i had the ability to pull off a whistle tone i would be catching the bus and i would be running for it i'll be like ah but yeah. in whistle tone <laughs> like it, uh, I, if you could do it I, I just put it in just because I, it's impressive to me if i want to like call for a gentleman across the street and catch his attention whistle tone <laughs> absolutely mm-hmm. it, it's impressive but i don't feel like it's adding anything to the song weirdly it doesn't make sense with the rest of the story of the song. The song is about the frustration of the last year and just being like, oh, I just want to get back to doing my thing. The use of the whistle note in the song seems much more 
celebratory. Like it's not expressing frustration. It's just being like, hey, look at me. I can do this thing. And it, it seems like it's trying to go for style points. Yeah, they're doing all sorts of vocal showcasing things. Yeah. Of the 39 entries this year, this is the one that I am most worried about. I loved Eden's entry last year. She exudes star energy. And this is feeling like they're just fussing with it and fussing with it and overdoing the production. If they are able to stop where they are right now and not touch it anymore, I think they'll be okay. But I'm worried that they're just going to keep trying to work towards this perfectionism with the song and the performance. It could be a case of what happened with the Netherlands entry in 2015, where they're just like, oh, people are commenting on the dress. Well, let's change her dress. Now she's wearing something different. Let's move where the cameras are going to be. And then it got to the actual performance of that song. You could see in Trintia's eyes, she doesn't know where she's supposed to be because they've changed everything every five minutes. I really don't want them to do that to eat it. I, I think this song can get through, but it's really riding on the edge right now. I think that version two had solid chances of getting through, especially now that we know the full range of the first semifinal. But I agree with you that they're going to just keep futzing with this and futzing with this and futzing with this because they keep being overly reactive to the public to the point where if there is any coverage of, oh, I don't like what they're doing with the outfit, that's going to get changed in an instant. They're going to ship of Theseus this to death and then complain when it doesn't go through. Do not give her a perm between the last rehearsal and the actual <laughs> performance. Do not. Like, do not go for that 80s nostalgia. So. <laughs> I like that they are being receptive to the public in terms of the broader sense of like, if a song is working or not, but these finer details that they're obsessing on is... Uh, Cause for concern. I really want Eden to do well. I was initially lukewarm because this was the second song that was released of all of them. And now I'm just like, oh, this is a solid entry. And I want Israel to stop stepping on its own feet about it. The next song we're going to talk about is Romania's entry from Roxen, Amnesia. Romania has been having a weirdly rough last couple of Eurovisions. They had a perfect attendance record in terms of the grand final up until 2018 and 2019, where they failed to make the final. So they're hungry. They had planned on saying Roxen last year with Alcohol U. Roxen was internally selected in 2020 and reselected for 2021. Uh, in the past year, she collaborated with Alexander Rebach on a track and was the third most played artist on Romanian radio. Justin, what did you think of this one? It wasn't my favorite of the set that we're talking about today. It's the one out of the five that is the most down-tempo, which isn't a bad thing, but it kind of pales in comparison to the other songs in the set. I watched the video and... I don't know how popular Roxanne is or, or whether she's this beloved figure in Romania, but she just looked like a no-name Billie Eilish dancing in this abandoned theater. I was not thrilled by it. It's, it's trying to send a message, but it did it in a way that was kind of cringy. There was something at, at the end of that video where it was just like this one line, I forget what it was, but I internally did not respond to it in a good way. When I saw it, I was just like, no, no, ma'am. No, <laughs> can't deal with it. 
When this one dropped originally, it was in the sea of 30 songs coming out on a Thursday, so did not really have the opportunity to form a strong first opinion on it. This one is growing on me. I really like where this is placed in the running order. I, I feel like it has a really good flow out of Israel and going to Azerbaijan. So in terms of positioning, it, it's going to stand out a bit. I don't get winner vibes from this, but I think I'm going to be disappointed if it doesn't make the final. This song feels like a major improvement over Alcohol You. Yes. If you had a moment with Cringe this year, Justin, I do not recommend going back to last year's because there were a number of those lyrically. Wait, what do you mean? I'm intrigued. Please tell me. Okay, so the song was called Alcohol You, and it was like in the chorus, it was Alcohol You When I'm Drunk. So it's like, I'll call you. Ew. So there's that and then yeah and then and then in the, in the pre it, yes and then in the pre-chorus the phrase fake news was used no. a lot yep oh <laughs> lyrically i think this is just what roxon does and i think that this is an improvement there we need songs like that for freeform original movies about teen pregnancy lyrically i think this is better i don't know if it's necessarily good it, it feels incomplete in the storytelling it establishes the protagonist of the song but then you're just instantly supposed to be on board with everything about them and really rooting for them but the conflict isn't really introduced it it feels like it's skipping over some important details that would really sell the song and that this might work better if it were allowed four minutes instead of three it feels very short handy to me and I, i think that might be where a lot of the disconnect is happening. I I think I said this the last time that we talked about it. I'm very intrigued by how they're going to possibly stage this, especially if they are able to incorporate the the dancing from the video. I thought that part of the video was very impressive and would be visually different from what we normally see at Eurovision. But given all of the COVID restrictions and general comfort of things. And the general nature of you can only have six people on the stage. At one point, I was a little uncomfortable because when they gathered together and they were kneeling and then there was this close-up shot of her with the dancers kind of yelling at her at one point one of them grabbed her cheeks and squeezed them and i was like (gasps) it felt like it went a little too far and then he pulled back and that intensity didn't happen again but the choreography was definitely there was a lot of work put into it there were some points to to it though that i was like "Mm, maybe not this absolutely feels like something that so you think you dance would pick up for contemporary week (laughs) True. And that may be why I'm responding to it, because I'm really missing that show hard right now. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with you, Mike. At its place in the lineup, it's going to be a great palate cleanser between what Israel's doing, what Azerbaijan is doing. It's more down-tempo nature is to its advantage. I feel like someone at Team Romania talked Roxon down from calling the song Self-Love Amnesia to just Amnesia, and they deserve a race. What does that even mean? I I don't know what that is supposed to be about. That is a very good point. And I agree. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? The song is introducing the concept of this person lost themselves to the point of a self-love amnesia of just losing their self in the world. Like you just forget that you love to love yourself or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's like, oh God. This is meant to be a self-empowerment sort of a song. I don't feel empowered. I feel angry. I went to school for design and there are lots of people who 
take a simple concept and make it really pretentious. Calling it self-love amnesia to me just has that design school vibe where it's just, oh, let's make, write a song about self-love and, and forgetting to love yourself. Call it self-love amnesia because that's going to be catchy and cute and everything that we need. And I'm like, girl, no, just keep it simple, sis. Just, I can't deal with that. That's like, no, mm-mm, mm-mm. I think you may have described Roxanne's brand. Oh, is she really like that? That definitely feels like Roxanne's whole vibe. Taking what should be a simple concept and figuring out a convoluted metaphor for it. Oh, God. Metaphors. That's kind of the Sia school of songwriting. When done well, you get a Sia song. And when done poorly, you sometimes also get a Sia song. Do I see this winning? No, this does not have winner vibes. I cannot picture the winner's reprise of this song at the grand final. That said, I would weirdly be sad if this doesn't make it out of its semi, and I can't figure out why, because it's okay. It might be a case of, this one could be very solidly 10th place, but 10th place is all you need. The army of lovers. Onward to Azerbaijan. They are represented this year by Effendi with her song Matahari. Effendi finished third place on Azeri Idol and in Azerbaijan's 2014 selection process and on The Voice of Azerbaijan and in Kazakhstan's Silkway Star. So third place seems to be very comfortable for her. She was internally selected last year to sing Cleopatra and reselected this year. The same creative team behind Cleopatra, sorry, I keep pronouncing that wrong, Cleopatra. (laughs) (laughs) The creative team behind that track is behind this year's track. Azerbaijan has a near perfect record for getting to the grand final. They've only missed it once, and that was in 2018. They also won the contest in 2011. Ben, let's start with you. What do you think of Matahari? I feel like I said some very mean things about this song last time. In my opinion, it has not improved. I've had time to do math. Oh, no. It's real bad. Last time we talked about this song, I had jokingly said that it's largely just the syllable ma. So I sat down and counted out how many syllables are there in this song and how many of them are ma. A full third of the song, which I think speaks to the fact that there's not a lot of song here. It's a series of extended dance breaks. The last 40 seconds of the song is one final ma 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 tahari, and then it turns into the Power Rangers guitar. (laughs) and that can be fine for pop songs but it's weirdly threadbare end of rant justin what did you think about this one i do agree with ben it was fine i do enjoy the history of the figure of matahari so that there was a bit of an expectation there that it would be like this femme fatale spy type thing i think that's what they were going with of course but i watched a video and ben you said it was basically full of dance breaks which it was but effendi does not know how to dance I watched her stand in the middle of the four dancers that were doing all the work. To her defense, Effendi did do some armography, but didn't move her lower half. It reminded me of Dua Lipa's dancing, which has improved over time, but there's that one meme (laughs) of her just being a terrible dancer. It did not do it for me. If she wanted to 
embody Matahari. It did not do the trick. She looked great. The outfit worked. Her, her lower half was not matching what was happening in the upper half. And it ruined the song for me, honestly, the, the lack of energy in her performance. I think that's a very fair critique slash prediction of what's going to happen. <laughs> After the contest was canceled last year, there was a video that went out of Effendi performing Cleopatra live. Live in quotation marks. I'm pretty sure she was lip syncing, but that's not important. It was a really dull performance. She had two dancers, but they, they weren't really super engaged in the performance and there wasn't elaborate choreography or anything, partly because there were probably some restrictions in place of how close people could get to one another. I still don't know why this performance was even happening, but still, that was the only visual representation that we had of the song as performance. She wasn't dancing then either. I don't expect to see her dancing in Rotterdam or it's going to be very basic because she's probably not trained to be a dancer. That's fine, but if you're going to be doing something that is a dance track that is focusing more on the dance than the song, get a different artist. I do not understand this selection, particularly if they're just trying to recapture the magic of last year, which I have a feeling it may have flopped or under performed at least in quotation marks the magic of last year i was seeing the tweets we were making a lot of fuss about cleopatra mm -hmm. but i'm not sure that would have extended to the final live performance for all of the the underwhelmingness that we are expecting from the staging i also expect azerbaijan to throw a lot of money at it we are going to be shooting effendi from above the waist but what's going on behind her is going to be spectacular or they may just give her robot legs they had that weird robot thing with their last performance so <laughs> Can we make someone appear to be a better dancer through in-camera effects? It could be endless holograms. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, now I'm getting really depressed by this. <laughs> I think the intent of the song was for it to be sensual, attract people that might be interested in, in her. And it was just too stiff. And it, it did not bring the sense of warmth that it should have. And by warmth, I mean hotness, and there was none of that. It was cold and stiff. She was just frozen. There was a whole thing that we never got to discuss about Azerbaijan's entry last year of Azerbaijan says gay rights? Do they? Why last year in particular? Why the question mark? I think Cleopatra, the song, covered more historically than Matahari, the song, attempts to cover. A Cleopatra was a queen like me, just like me, yeah, just like me, straight or gay or in between, in between, yeah, in between. I definitely heard that in the tone of a nursery rhyme. I was like, Cleopatra's just like me, just like me, just like me. Straight or gay or in between, Cleopatra. <laughs> There's that same kind of weird nursery rhyme sense about Matahari, too. Honestly, with Matahari, I just thought of Lady Gaga, but not in a good way. What is that poker face? That part of the chorus? P -p -p poker face? Ma, 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 ma. Yeah, it's just that to me. It's the same ma, 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 ma. There's a lot of unoriginality happening in this first semifinal, I'm coming mm -hmm. to realize. 2010 Lady Gaga. Yes, let's do it. 2010 Lady Gaga with Dua Lipa dancing. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's pop genius right there. Yeah. Groundbreaking. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs>
Let's talk about Ukraine. Goa and Shum. Goa is an electro folklore band that has white voice elements that formed in 2012. They won Vidbeer, Ukraine's selection, in 2020, giving them the ticket to Rotterdam. Vidbeer last year had an unofficial mandate to send the most Ukrainian entry possible, and Goa were reselected internally for 2021. Shum was selected by an internal jury with overwhelming support. The original version is roughly four minutes, so they needed to be revamped to fit the Eurovision requirements of three minutes or less. Ukraine has a perfect record and, and most recently won in 2016 and previously won in 2005, so they have never missed the grand final. Mike, let's switch it up. How do you feel about this song? You know how I feel about Ukraine. I, uh, that's what I'm say. I, I know how you feel about Ukraine. It's all good. J- Justin may not know how I feel about Ukraine. I am a total <laughs> Ukraine stan. Uh, does not sound like a, like you do stan. Justin, you've heard me talk about Iceland. Yes, yes, quite a bit. Ben is to Iceland as Mike is to Ukraine. Yes. Oh, well, you should come to Winnipeg. There's a huge Ukrainian population here. Oh, really? Yeah. We do huh. enjoy the Ukrainians. I don't know why specifically that, but there's some sort of history there. Oh, interesting. I wonder if Winnipeg's one of their sister cities, because Chicago is a sister city of uh, Kiev. This is getting off track. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, when the original version of Shum dropped, I was 100% on board with it. I want to go to this rave so bad. And they uh, did the revamp. And my immediate reaction was like, oh, they just completely redid the song. It's not as sparse as the original version. I liked it, but I I felt very resistant to it. But the more that I've sat with this song, uh, it is so good and such a brilliant revamp strategy. I think what may have happened was the original version was going to depend on there being an audience up against a stage completely rocking out and dancing to the various breakdowns that happen in the original track. But then they decided that there wasn't going to be a standing audience. I think that this revamp is taking advantage of the fact it's like, okay, there's not going to be like those audience shots of people rocking out to this. We need to do something to fill up that space. Otherwise, it's just going to look really weird and really empty for three minutes. I think the lyrical density is doing a good job of showcasing the vocals and filling out the space that otherwise would have been all of the dancing. You're still going to get that rocking out component. It's just probably going to be happening in people's living rooms rather than in the arena. Maybe we'll get shots of people in the green room rocking out, but I am so looking forward to this performance and I think this is a fantastic track. At first, I wasn't sure about it, but for some reason I felt that that I liked it. Then I watched the original video of the original track and it was like, my god. Wow. Uh, I wasn't sure about that, but it still appealed to me in some way. And then I watched the video for the Eurovision version and I am fully on board now. I think it took a while for me to get there because it, it is a little strange to me, but it is a really good song. The concept's great. It's this Mad Max cult vibe happening. I don't want to insult and say it, it would also be a good track for the Fast and the Furious series. <laughs> I don't know why that came to my head just now, but it's a great song. The, the The vocals are fantastic. Her breath control must be amazing. And the lyrics, when translated into English, I was like, oh, I did not expect this to be the subject of it. it it's, it's very much about harvesting it, springtime and stuff like that. I think there's some metaphor about the end of pandemic coming out of that and whatever. But the way that they weaved it into the metaphor was really good. The video was good. I just felt bad for the guy in the flute who was just standing awkwardly on the stage. He was trying to look tough 
in his post-apocalyptic fashion. But then he pulls out the flute, and I was just like, aw. <laughs> it's hard to look tough with a flute, you know? But it added to the song. I'm more interested now in Ukrainian folk dance music. Mm. It's a good track. They nailed the, the traditional Ukrainian brief. Their song from last year, Solove, also derives from Ukrainian folk music this year. It's a song about the harvest. I also fully agree. The, the weird Chernobyl Mad Max aesthetic going on. Big fan of that. The fashion in the, the Eurovision version with, with her like centipede <laughs> going across her face. I don't know what the point of that was. Sure, we all wear those now. Like both of you, I liked the original version a lot, Mike. You were very into it. I was very into it because I realized that it had real Hatari vibes in terms of aesthetic, in terms of mixture of a sort of techno rave music with other genres. And then I was weirdly resistant to the new version because they're filling it up with so many lyrics. They're, like it, it almost feels like the opposite problem of Azerbaijan. Of, oh no, now there are too many words. I have both versions of the song on the playlist I listen to a lot. And I find myself expecting the song to start earlier with the more lyric versions. Apparently my brain has flipped the switch to that version being the normal version. We've all been talking about the fact that it took us a minute. And I'm not sure that everybody who's coming in only to the semifinal is going to have enough time to go, oh, this is cool, and have it grow on them and get catchy. I have been watching various friends who watched the Eurovision movie last year who are starting to pay attention to this, go through the full playlist, and come to Ukraine and be like, I respect what they're doing, but also the whole white voice element. Poland, a couple years ago, sent Tulia. Tulia does the same sort of white voice thing. It's also a Polish music tradition, and they just narrowly missed the final. So I'm wondering if Goa could encounter similar issues. I'm hoping not. I think it's a very strong song, and I think they can stage it very well. I think that is a fair concern about this one needing to take some time. Uh, so somebody on the night might not be immediately receptive to it, but it's so dancey. I, I, I think you cannot help but get pumped by it. I'm very confident in how Ukraine is going to stage it because Ukraine knows how to do staging. I think that was one of the issues with Tulia's performance. I, I didn't think it was staged particularly well. Also, with the way that the overall semifinal is structured, this makes a very nice bookend with Discotech from Lithuania. Even though there is one more song after this one, this is a good period at the end of the first semifinal before we get into the epilogue. I will say it's also the only song that I remember out of the five. This one I completely remember because it's so distinct. I remember parts of the other songs, but not in the same way where I can remember everything about this one. So I think there's some staying power to it, but it might not be enough time between when it's performed and when it's judged for sure. So I agree with both points there. If it makes it through the final, I definitely think it leaves a mark. And I think if you see it on Tuesday, you're going to remember it for Saturday. Also, in this set, it's the only one that's not in English or predominantly English. So I, that may also help it stand out. True. Go on, more like go off. Am I right, ladies? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All 
right, so the last one that we are talking about that is closing out the first semifinal uh, comes from Malta. It is Destiny's Jimakas. Destiny won Junior Eurovision for Malta in 2015, and she's been working at it since then. Uh, she competed on Britain's Got Talent a few years after Junior Eurovision and went on to win the second season of Malta's X Factor in 2020, which is the pathway to being Malta's artist for Eurovision. Once the contest was canceled, she was reselected internally for 2021. This particular song was the last one to debut during selection season, and it is currently one of the favorites to win the contest. Malta has not yet won Eurovision. They finished in second place in 2002 and 2005. It would be a pretty big deal if they're able to close this. Even if it doesn't happen, Destiny just signed a worldwide record deal with Sony, so she'll be okay. Justin, what were your thoughts on this track? First of all, I was surprised that Malta even had an X Factor, because that is a tiny country. I'm glad that they do, because it's a pretty good song. Looking through the lyrics again, I think it is a female empowerment track, but it is, it's one of those things where it's like, yes, queen, get it, you don't need no man, that sort of thing. And I'm, I'm all for that. That's kind of my vibe, 24-7 anyway, you know, just being like, yes, get it, queen, yes, girl, I'll just be walking down the street, and I want to hear that from people. That's the kind of song that I want to listen to in my AirPods walking down the street as people try to bother me. And I'm just like, no, thank you. I'm too powerful for this. It is a little cliche in that way, though. There's a lot of songs like that now in the ether, and I think there is the risk, of course, of it being a caricature of that genre of, of song. It almost got there, but I don't think it fully went past that line. I watched a video and one of my favorite comments from the video comes from this one person who said, how many hairstyles would you like a Destiny? Destiny replies with, yes. And I was like, there are so many hair changes. There are so many hair changes. And I'm just like, yes, I want to see all the styles, honey. Show me everything you got. But by saying that, it's become clear that they're trying to pack in as much visuals as possible to attract people towards it. So I think it's doing a lot and it's almost too much but it's a fun song so i don't think we need to necessarily take it that seriously i liked it it was fine i would pretend to be naomi campbell on the streets of winnipeg where there's nothing happening eating a donut a bagel maybe and just living my best life i feel like when we first talked about this i didn't have a whole lot of thoughts other than i like it a lot i'm not sure that i have any further advanced thoughts? It's a real good song. I think it is my favorite out of this semifinal. It is one of the favorites for a reason. It's very strongly written. Two things that had come to mind since we last chatted about this one. We had talked about how last year the song that was chosen for Destiny didn't feel like it fit her as a person. It, I remember discussing it as feeling like a Martha Wash song. My initial reaction to this one last time we chatted about it was that this felt like a Eurovision version of Lizzo. And in both cases, I think that's just a, a dearth of comparison factors for black female performers. One thing that a friend brought up that I had not thought about, that I don't think is necessarily to the detriment of this song, but as someone who knows a lot about the last decade of Eurovision, if lyrically and thematically this is too similar to Toy, it's in the same space. And one of the things that popped up recently is that Dina Na from Sweden apparently did not make Melfest with this song, and so it got scooped up by Destiny's team. It does feel like a Swedish take on what Toy was doing. Toy felt very aggressive in its approach to its subject matter, and this feels lighter. It was something that had popped up that I found very interesting to think about. Yeah. 
It does feel very familiar in a number of ways. The toy comparison didn't strike me until you mentioned it. It's kind of reminding me of songs that RuPaul's Drag Race contestants... Oh, it's a lip sync song, honey, yes. Yeah, it's definitely a lip sync song, but also the sort of tracks that they release after they are contestants on the show. But a good quality one. This one doesn't feel as disposable as some of those tracks can be. It's making me wonder if maybe that is part of the strategy. The Venn diagram of Drag Race fans and Eurovision fans is probably a circle or very close to it. (laughs) So I can understand if that is somewhat intentional on its part. But yeah, I don't know if, if I have much more to say about the song that hasn't already been covered. This is a really good entry for Malta. I think it is a great song for Destiny. It's so much better than last year's. My only concern is the end of the song, where it just kind of peters out. There's the last horn break, and I don't know how that's going to be staged in a compelling, memorable way. I'm hoping that they're able to do something that kind of continues the momentum from the build going into the last chorus. There are songs that we've discussed today where I can't see the triumphant final performance of this after it wins. I can absolutely see a triumphant final performance of Jimakas. Exuberant, the vocal lines all over the place because they're trying to not completely burst into tears. Yeah, the video itself was the kind of thing that I think Stefan from SNL would love. It has everything. It had an uncomfortable male at the beginning. It had uh, a guy with a mustache and tights and high heels. It had waterfalls. It had BMX bikes, a gigantic bow, (laughs) a banner falling from behind her. It had 10 hairstyle changes. It was a feast and I am full and sated. I'm ready for bed. Excellent. (laughs) Well, on that note, I guess we can start wrapping things up. Justin, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you online? They can find me online primarily on Instagram and Twitter at J-R-L-A-D-I-A. I I do emphasize the D for a reason because sometimes people think I say B and that's not where we want to go. You can also find me at justinladia.com, which is a perpetually under construction type of website, but all of my other social links are there. Excellent. That is going to do it for this episode of the EuroWhat. Thank you for listening. The EuroWhat podcast is hosted by Mike McComb, that's me, and Ben Smith. That's me. You can follow the EuroWhat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast app of your choice. When you subscribe, leave us a review. It helps Eurovision fans find the show and it brightens our day. We're also on Patreon at patreon.com slash eurowhat. Show notes are in the description of this episode and on our website at eurowhat.com. If you'd like to contact us, we're at eurowhat on Twitter, or you can email eurowhatpodcast at gmail.com. Next week on the EuroWhat, we start our coverage of the second semifinal with our special guest from Who Weekly, Lindsay Weber. <laughs>